Let me encourage you to grab your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as we're going to spend our time in the next few moments in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, seeing what the Apostle Paul has to say about wisdom, specifically in relationship to Jesus. The books of wisdom are Old Testament books, and that's where we've spent our time as we've considered the wisdom God wants to give us. But there's something special about the connection between Jesus the Messiah and wisdom that we want to see this morning as we close out this series. And let me say how much I've been blessed by our series on wisdom. God has granted us a privilege by giving the writers of the books of wisdom special insights that make God and his will for us far more accessible and edifying than what would be the case if we didn't have books like Job or Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or, as we saw last week from Michael, the Song of Solomon. I hope our series has blessed you. When we started this series, one of the things that we mentioned was that wisdom can be found in a lot of different places. Some of it's religious. Some of it is just plain worldly, learned in the farmer's field or at the used car lot or while we're underneath the sink trying to figure out where the leak is coming from. And often, wisdom doesn't come by reading an ancient text, but simply by, as you know, living life. It's like the farmer's insurance mantra, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. There is something true in this. I remember one day I called Gary Zorn to talk to him about a little building project that I wanted to do at my house, and I described to him what my plan was. I thought for sure that Gary would either tell me that my idea was brilliant, or he would explain to me why my idea needed to be scrapped in light of his better idea. Instead, to my surprise, he replied, and, and obviously this has stayed with me, he said something like, well, there are a number of ways of approaching that project that could work. You know, that was such a simple statement. But on that day, at that moment, it kind of floored me. It clearly came from a guy who had tried and seen lots of different ways of doing lots of different things and who knew that you could approach a problem from many different angles having some level of success with several different plans. There isn't always just one way to solve a problem, or as they say, to skin a cat. Which should make all of us pause at those times when we're convinced that anyone trying to do something in a way other than what we would try simply has it wrong. Gary, I was impressed, and I learned. Well, some wisdom is worthy of the greatest of professional philosophers, and some of it just comes to us much more simply. Those of us who are older are going to remember some bit of wisdom that first came to us through a comic strip, like Doonesbury or Family Circle. Remember those? Or maybe even through a cartoon. There's been a lot of wisdom that was dispensed over the years through Bugs Bunny, often at the expense of Daffy Duck. And who of us did not marvel at the wise lessons learned and taught by one wily E. Coyote as he chased the roadrunner over and over again, learning new lessons and in every episode about how the best formulated plans were always capable of landing you at the bottom of a thousand meter cliff in a puff of smoke, usually with an anvil rapidly following the coyote to the ground. What is amazing is how similar we still are to the coyote. No matter how much wisdom appears we're gaining through our mistakes, we're always in need of more. 
and were quite capable of gaining wisdom, and then almost immediately coming back in the next episode of our lives, living as if we hadn't learned a thing, and ending up at the bottom of the cliff all over again. Well, there's at least one definite way in which we aren't at all like the coyote who never seems to learn. That's because those of us who stand in Christ are in a special place having a tremendous capacity for receiving God's special wisdom so that we have a capacity for gaining wisdom of the most advanced kind. Now, of course, this isn't something that can be credited to us. It can only be credited to God who has afforded us opportunity for a special level of wisdom. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth was not just any human being, but was and is the Son of God, which means that his insights and his understandings are infinitely and eternally superior to the insights and understanding of even the best of human beings. And this makes total sense. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, Paul says, The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the wisdom of God is stronger than human strength. In addition, what we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul today is that not only does Jesus possess special wisdom from God that he makes available to us, but that Jesus is the very embodiment of wisdom himself as the Word of God. Now, just a little background about the situation in Corinth to which Paul's addressing 1 Corinthians. Remember there was a great deal of disunity within the church there, largely because there are those within the Corinthian church, and I think most likely a group of women, based on several things Paul says in his letter, who consider themselves spiritually wiser than everyone else, including the elders and even Paul. And they're pushing for positions of leadership, not based on a calling from God, but on their own self-evaluations of their own spiritual wisdom. Now, to this, Paul responds, talking about what real Christian wisdom is. Rather than it being something this group of sisters exclusively possesses as a gift from God's Spirit to them, genuine wisdom comes to those who are actually filled with Christ. This is precisely the message Paul teaches them, and in the process, he gives us rich insight into God's wisdom. So let's jump right into this, and let me show you what I mean. Please look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. Here Paul says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Do you see that? Jesus Christ crucified, Paul says, is actually the wisdom of God. That means that it's not just the wise teachings of Jesus that bless humankind by giving us guidance and knowledge and understanding at the deepest level so that we can say we learned from the wisest teacher of all. Now, that's true. Jesus is the wisest teacher of all. But that's not the real meat right here. 
Paul goes deeper than this in telling us that by believing in Christ, we're put in touch with, in fact, filled with God's wisdom. So that the very wisdom of God is made available to us as a possession, as a constituent part of our makeup, because Christ is a constituent part of our makeup. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of God that you're in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. What Paul's saying is that because we're in Jesus Christ, we are not the same as we once were. In other words, through Christ, something has happened to us. It's not just that we've been saved. In addition to our salvation, a transformation has taken place within us so that God's righteousness, God's holiness, and God's redemptive work in us has made us different than we previously were. There's been a spiritual transformation take place in us through Christ's presence. And as we'll see in just a moment, through the Holy Spirit, so that the wisdom that he has has now come to us. And so I want you to look with me at chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 6 through 16. And watch what Paul says here about, about wisdom and specifically about the Spirit and the way the Spirit brings to us truths about God. Paul says, We speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God is destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Which, if you think about it, this makes sense. Since Jesus is wisdom, and wisdom is all about Jesus, and if they understood this, then they never would have crucified him. However, as it's written, Paul says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. So watch this. The Spirit searches all things, Paul says, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received, and note this, do you see that? We've received this. This has become part of who we are. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This, Paul says, is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit and the Spirit's wisdom, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For look at what Paul says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. And then he ends with this, but we have the mind of Christ. Oh, we have the mind of Christ? We can make judgments about all things? 
God has revealed his will to us through Christ and his spirit so that we possess knowledge and wisdom about the will of God? Brothers and sisters, when it comes to wisdom, this puts us on a whole new level from where we were before we came to Christ. We went from being physical, material, dying, weak, incomplete, inadequate, unholy, unspiritual, unwise, to a new existence whereby God's holy wisdom becomes ours so that we're renewed in our minds, transformed in our spirits, given understanding and strength and power and insight with a future that includes not just the transformation of our spirits and minds, but even the transformation of our bodies. We've been reformed and made new with God's wisdom being a huge piece of what we now are. Christians who have Christ and the Holy Spirit living within them have a new capacity for wisdom that transcends every possible form of merely human wisdom. And so Gary Zorn's pretty smart. Gary gave me some wisdom, but the wisdom that we receive from Christ is superior to anything that even Gary Zorn could possess. You know, often, especially in our world today, people don't like it when Christians talk in an exclusive way about Christ, about who he is, and about what this means for us. They tend to view this as a boasting and an arrogance, because we speak as if there's a truth that we possess that no one else possesses. But the point being made here by Paul is that we have absolutely no grounds for boasting about the wisdom that can now be ours. All we've done is believe and accept what Jesus said about himself, and what Paul says about him. And what Paul says is that Jesus is himself the very wisdom of God that has come down to us, taking up residence within us, empowering us, giving us understanding about the key truth that Jesus is wisdom. This isn't about us, and it wasn't about some women in Corinth who think they especially possess God's wisdom because they speak in tongues more than others. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's imagine that there was a scientist living here in the Marlboro area of Calgary who came up with a vaccine for COVID-19. And in her excitement, she went out to find people to share it with, to give the vaccine. She came to our church building then, just trying to find someone to inoculate, and she shared it with those at our building so that we became vaccinated and immune to the virus. And we then started telling everyone around us that a vaccine had been discovered and that it now made us healthy and immune to COVID-19 and that they could have it too. Would we have any grounds for boasting about this? Would it be arrogance that would cause us to share with others the great news about the vaccine? Would there be good reasons for those with whom we've shared the news about the vaccine to say about us, Oh, you immune ones, you think you're so good because the one who discovered the vaccine first vaccinated you. Well, of course not. We didn't do anything to deserve being vaccinated. Nor were we someone special so that the discoverer of the vaccine came to us first. And once we'd received the good news about the vaccine and had been inoculated, we would want to tell everyone else about it, not so that we could look good, but so that they could receive the vaccine too. We didn't discover the vaccine. We were simply fortunate enough to hear about it and receive what was given to us. And we didn't do anything that made us worthy of the wisdom of God coming to us. 
Christ came as the wisdom of God. We heard about this. This good news was proclaimed to us, and then we believed it, and it entered us. But this wisdom is absolutely available to all, not just to us. The beautiful teachings of Jesus that we find in the Sermon on the Mount are available for everyone to read. The stories of Jesus' interactions with the hurting and the oppressed and the disenfranchised, his healing that came to lepers and the blind and the crippled and the demon-possessed, these are for everyone to hear about, for everyone to receive, and for everyone to respond to. That Jesus is God's wisdom, bringing life and understanding to the dying so human beings can live in light of the truth that is Jesus, this is for everyone, because we all stand equally before the Lord as sinners. For that matter, the special wisdom from God that we find in Proverbs or Job or the Psalms or Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon, it's all out there for public consumption. God, through his spirit, wants to share himself and the wisdom that is his word with all humankind. So the question is not, oh, are Christians so special because they've received God's wisdom? The only question is, are those to whom Christ offers his wisdom willing to accept it? Will we seek wisdom while he may be found? Do we crave spiritual understanding rather than being satisfied with the shallow, ephemeral, frustratingly inadequate substitutes offered by the world as replacements for what God is trying to give us? God is saying, here it is, a wisdom vaccine healing you from everything that the world throws at you. I can make you exceedingly wise. My power and wisdom are found in connecting with Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Will you hear? Will you listen? Let those with ears hear what the Spirit is saying. So let me commend to you the fullness of God's wisdom, which God says is found in his Son, the Messiah Jesus. His claim is that his Son has come into the world and that his coming was a revelation concerning the wisdom of God that was until the coming of Christ a mystery hidden concerning what God was intended for human, was intending for humankind. But now in Jesus, God has disclosed his plan, the active wisdom of God revealing the purpose and plans God has in mind for those whom he loves. Rather than remain in ignorance, because we live in Christ, we possess God's wisdom. Not something we could ever boast about, but simply something to respond to, because Christ, the very essence of wisdom, lives within us. <laughs>